Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Mark chapter 2. Now you're probably like, Rodney, what are we doing? Mark chapter 2. What we have here in the Gospel of Mark is a parallel story to the Gospel of Matthew. That's where we are in chapter 9, actually. But I wanted to kind of use Mark as like a zoom lens, if you will, because it gives a fuller detail uh, to our story in, in Mark, uh, in Matthew chapter 9. So we actually are doing a verse by verse study through the Gospel of Matthew, but Mark has a a, a fuller story and a more closer look at the same story, so we'll look at it from this perspective today. Father, bless our time in the Word. We've worshipped you, God, in singing and clapping our hands, and Lord, we want to worship you now as we hear what the Spirit says to this church. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people agree and said, Amen. Now, if you haven't been with us We have been doing a study through the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been talking about the king's power. So far, got a pen? So far, we've seen the king's power over disease, over sickness, and over nature. And last week, we saw the king's power, Jesus' power, over a demon-possessed man. And this morning, we come to the core of the gospel message. I love this story because it is the core of the gospel message. What is the core of the gospel message? The subject of forgiveness. We, now we see this morning the king's power to forgive a paralyzed man. So what we have here is Jesus is in a house and he is teaching a Bible study. And it's in this house three things we're going to talk about. Jesus looks up, secondly, Jesus looks down, and thirdly, Jesus looks around. Jesus looks up, Jesus looks down, and Jesus looks around here in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. And if you're there, say amen. Amen. Much better. Again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Every time I read this, I always think Jesus in the house. Like raise the roof, Jesus in the house. It says it right there. And immediately in verse 2, immediately, Mark loves to use the word immediately. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And then they came to him in verse 3, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when he had broken through the roof, 
They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, notice this, he saw their faith. He didn't see the faith of the paralytic man. He saw the faith of a few close friends, the four men. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins? But God alone. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose. He took up the bed and he went out into the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I absolutely love that statement. We have never seen anything like this. See, what Jesus does, nobody has ever seen it because Jesus is awesome. And, and, and naturally, they'd say, oh, man, that was awesome. We have never seen anything like this. Now, we last week concluded Matthew chapter 8 as we're doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. Here in Mark chapter 2, we've got this parallel story to Matthew chapter 9. And last week in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus came into the land of the Gergesenes. We talked about it. The land of Gadara, the land of the Gadarenes. And he cast out an evil spirit from a demon-possessed man. And this demon-possessed man said that his name was Legion. A Roman soldier, Legion of Army, was 6,000 soldiers. And so it's very possible that this demon was saying that he had, this man had 6,000 demons in him. And Jesus came into town, and, the, and Jesus cast that demon out of the man and sent the demon into the pigs. The pigs ran over the cliff. You know the story if you were here. The people were amazed because this man who was once shackled and chained was now sitting and clothed in his right mind. And because the people preferred pigs to people or swine to souls, and they were concerned with more about their money rather than the souls of people, they said to Jesus, Jesus, leave the area. And I'll tell you something. Whenever Jesus is asked to leave leave an area, he does. In other words, he will never stay where he is not welcome, ever. And so they asked him to leave the area. And then the man said to Jesus, Jesus was leaving the area, and the man said, and I love this. He said, Jesus, I want to go with you. I love that. Jesus, I want to go with you. Why? Because whenever your life has been touched by Jesus and transformed in such a radical way as this man's life has been transformed, listen, saints, it is natural to want to be where he is. That's why you come to church. That's why we have praise and worship. That's why we teach the Bible. Because it is natural, it is healthy, it is right to want to be near Jesus. And this demon-possessed man said, Lord, you've done so much. You've blessed my life in such a way. I mean, we talked about this man was crazy. 
He had demons in him and his life was in ruins and people. He was living in a cemetery. He was a living dead. And Jesus touched him and delivered him. And he said, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to be near you. And Jesus said, what? No, you can't. I want you to go and tell your family and your friends of all the good things that God has done. That's such a great story. And so Jesus is out doing the ministry. His popularity is growing. Jesus is famous and his fame is spreading. And he gets into a boat and he enters the city of Capernaum. Capernaum, when we go to Israel, we'll stop there. Capernaum is a beautiful city. It's a city. It's the home of Peter and the home of Jesus. And so news travels fast with amazing speed. This news spreads that a miracle working teacher has come to Capernaum. Point number one, Jesus looked up. As you put the gospel accounts together, Jesus is in the house in Capernaum and the house is packed. There is standing room only. And it's in this house, while teaching a Bible study, four men who brought this man, this paralytic man, to Jesus to be healed. But when they got to the house, they found that the house was too crowded and they could not get in. And I was sitting there yesterday preparing for this sermon, for this teaching today, and I thought, you know, that must have been a pretty cool thing. Jesus is teaching a Bible study. I mean, now, if you're in a Bible study with Jesus, this don't get better than this. If you're in a Bible study with Jesus. Now, we have all heard some really great sermons, especially here at Calvary Chapel. <laughs> I know. And uh, y'all can hold back the amens. I understand this. You have to hold it back. But, uh, but can you imagine being in a Bible study with Jesus? I'm sure the people were amazed. They were totally zeroed in. You know, unlike me sometimes when I'm teaching services and, you know, we have three services on Sunday morning, one on Wednesday night. And, and you know, sometimes I look out in the audience and, you know, and, and sometimes people just look like they're just not here. And they're picking their teeth and picking their nose and checking their pagers and pulling through their purses and pocketbooks and doodling and drawing. And it's true. I mean, one time after a service, this person came up to me with a drawing of me. And they were excited. I'm telling you, they were happy. They came up, oh, Pastor Rodney, Pastor Rodney, look what I drew. I drew you. I just, I, right there, I was sitting there and I just saw you and I drew you. Look at this. And, and I said, you drew that while I was preaching? Well, well, yeah, well, yeah. You're not supposed to be drawing me when I'm preaching. You're supposed to be listening and zeroed in and paying attention to this spiritual sage advice that I'm handing you, my brothers. But, but, but not with Jesus. I don't think that was happening. I think when Jesus was teaching, the people were completely zoned in, completely focused, totally zeroed in. I mean, think about it now. Think about it. Think it through. The house is crowded. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of commotion and people are getting into the Bible study and, you know, squeezing by people. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, stepping on your toes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get over there and get a seat. Is that seat available? You know, and they're squeezing in. There's a lot of commotion and a lot of things going on. 
But I'm confident when they sat down, they began to see Jesus and they began to look into his eyes and they saw the tenderness in his eyes. See, I believe Jesus had really tender eyes and he had an incredible smile and a peace of God that just rested upon his life. And they couldn't help it. They just zeroed in and everything else, all the commotion and the emotion and people stepping on toes and babies crying and people putting stuff away. All of that stuff just kind of faded to black as they would look into his face. And didn't somebody write the song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth, you know it, say it with me, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Didn't somebody write that? Great song. Why? Because when you look at Jesus' face, everything else, it doesn't matter. What's your situation? What's your problems? If you focus on Jesus, I guarantee you, everything else just fades in the background. And you just look to him and you look into his eyes. And hey, by the way, that's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. When you're in heaven, you know, I was talking to a brother about this last week. And, you know, how are we going to feel in heaven? Will we know people? Will we, will we know our loved ones? Will, will our loved ones know us? And all of these questions about heaven. And I said, I don't know. He says, you're the pastor. You don't know? No, I don't know. But what I do know is that in heaven, the only thing that's going to matter is looking into his face. And the, all the other things won't matter. You won't be sad your loved ones weren't, aren't there. If they are, they're not. Because the Bible says that there's no sadness in heaven. I can't explain it, but that's what the Bible says. But I do know that if you look in Jesus' eyes and you see his tenderness and you keep your face in his face, keep your face in his face, get in his face. Get in his face. And just say, Lord, I just want to see you. Everything else will grow strangely dim. I'm confident that this is what these people who were attending the Bible study that Jesus was teaching in this very crowded place. This is what they were seeing. And so here they are. Here's the scene. Jesus is sitting there teaching the Bible. The room is packed. He's teaching the word, and all of a sudden, he hears this noise on the roof, and dust starts to fall. And I, I just got to imagine, I mean, we got to kind of read the white space, okay, between the lines. Read the white, Jesus is sitting there probably covered in dust. Covered in, you know, like the, 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 uh, the stuff from the uh, uh, ceilings. What do they call that stuff? Um, drywall, dust. Stuff, you know, when I was in India, and some of you probably know this, when I traveled to India, I'm, I'm going to tell you all something. Here's a little secret, okay? It, when, and when I travel and I go somewhere, do not ask my wife if there's anything you can do, give you a call. Don't say that. Because if you do, she will call you and she'll probably want to do like a room addition or build a home or something. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, when people say, well, give me a call, they mean like if you need some pork chops cooked or something, you know, you need a little spaghetti or something. But, but well, what happened was I'm in India. Well, Vire, you know this. So, Vire, you know, people are coming up, you know, Elvira, if you need anything, just, you know, just give me a call. Elvira called people and she completely did like house makeover while I was gone. And we had these popcorn ceilings, you know, that, that stuff they shoot in when they, okay. And she, before I left, she was like, honey, we need to get smooth ceilings. Can we get this stuff off? I said, absolutely not. This stuff is too much. That stuff will be everywhere forever. And, and she, I was like, no, no, no. So she waits till I go to India. And when I came back, I was like, oh my gosh, I walked in the house with some friends and, and I almost had a heart attack. It was like trading places. 
I mean, spaces, trading spaces, trading places is Eddie Murphy. Okay, trading spaces. Where I mean, I couldn't believe it. And so the stuff is all over. And even in my house today, I can go certain, that stuff never leaves, that white stuff. But I can imagine Jesus is sitting there probably covered in white stuff or covered in dirt or something like that as he's teaching this Bible study. And these four guys, they just kind of tear a, a hole in the roof. And, you know, Mo, Larry, Curly, and Shemp, and they stick their heads in. And they look down. And Jesus looks up. And, 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 and if it had been me, see, Jesus is not like us. If somebody were to do that, like right now in the Bible study, I'd be like, uh, ushers, please get them out of here. But Jesus doesn't do that. So they stick their head in, they look down, they move their heads away, and the next thing they see is dark. And then Jesus sees these men lowering down the paralytic in a cot, on a cot. And it's being lowered right in front of Jesus, this paralyzed man. The Bible doesn't tell us whose house it was, but I, it, well, we know that Peter lives there. And I'll tell you, if this was Peter's house, uh, Peter, Peter's a high-strung guy. <laughs> Peter's, Peter's wound tight. And I'm sure, man, they're tearing up the roof, and Peter's probably on the phone with the insurance company. Hey, do we have a, do, the clause for Jesus, radical freaks tearing up roofs? I mean, so... It's in this house that Jesus looks up, and this, this man, he, he, he's there before him, the paralyzed man. And he was brought there by four men, by four of his friends. Four things I want to give you, four things that we can learn, lessons we can learn from these four men. You're taking notes, number one. I want to show you, I need you to see that these four men, they had, number one, a deep love and care for their friend, and they were motivated to bring him to Jesus. They had a deep love and a care. We know they had a deep love and a care because if they didn't, they wouldn't have brought him to Jesus. And that tells us that we as Christians, we need to have a deep love and a care for our family and for our friends, for our mom and our dad and our brothers and sisters, so much so that we care that they get to Jesus. You know, some years ago I was, you know, in the ministry for so many years, and God had used my life to preach the word to a lot of people. And just out of nowhere, God began to show me that I have a brother who is older than me, and I had never shared the gospel with him. I, I never have. Now, he had moved away from home for so many years, we didn't know where he was. I had no idea. I hadn't talked to him in many, many years. He had some life issues, struggles with drugs and drug addiction, didn't know where he lived. But I realized that I had never preached the, the gospel to him. And I had preached to many, many, many thousands of people and had never preached to him. And so I said to my wife, I said, honey, I got to go and find my brother. And I got to go preach the gospel and share Jesus with him. I got to go find him. So I get on a plane. I find out where, what state he might be in. I found out in city. And I found out that he was in uh, the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. Didn't know where, got on a plane, went there. I began to check around in hospitals and um, railroad stations where homeless people sleep and bus stations and, and um, homeless shelters. And, and, and I finally found him at, in a drug rehab center. And so I walked in, and of course he was surprised to see me. I hadn't seen him in years. And he was surprised to see me, and I went in and said to the people, you know, I'd like to see my brother, and gave him his name, and 
you know, he came out and he was like, man, what are you doing here? I hadn't seen you in years. And I, I began to talk and glad to see him and said, you know, I said, man, can you believe it? I'm a pastor now. And I'm like, can you believe it? Who would have ever believed that I am a pastor now and all that God has done in my life and, and my ministry and how God's given me a great church and a great ministry and shared all these things with him and caught up. And, um, and I said to him, I said, you know, I came this far to tell you about Jesus. And I began to share the gospel with him right there in the lobby of the, of the drug rehab center. I began to share the gospel with him and um, share the word with him. And he said, and he said, um, I said, would you like to become a Christian? Would you like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he said, no. I said, okay, well, I'm going to. See, I'm not one of those kind of people that believe in talking you into it and all this stuff. Because, you know, if I can talk you into it, I can talk you out of it. So I know if you don't want to receive Christ, that's okay. I I said to him, I said, you know, I'm going to just get on a plane and I'm going to head on back to North Carolina. And I'm going to pray for you. And, and I did. I came home, told my wife. He didn't receive Christ. But I didn't feel like my trip was in vain. I felt like God is faithful. Amen, saints? And God will take his word. Listen, we are to be faithful to what God has called us to do and not worry about, here it is, the results. How often do we wouldn't do something like that because we think, well, what if they don't accept Christ? And what if this? And what if that? And we're so results driven when, in fact, we should not ever worry about the results. We always want to be simply obedient to do what God has told you to do, to do what God has called you to do. And you let God take care of the results. If you got somebody in school or in class and God tells you to tell them about Jesus, oh, well, they might mock me. They might not receive. Well, they probably won't. And maybe they will mock you. But we need to be obedient and don't worry about that. The Bible says that his word will not return void. It will accomplish the thing that's set out to do. Someday he will be wherever he will be. And he will call out to God and he'll remember that conversation we had in that lobby at that drug rehab center. God will bring it back just like that. And God will use the seed of his word to water it by the Holy Spirit and bring forth fruit in the life of my brother. I have no question. Did I do the right thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I did. We need to have a love and a concern to share the gospel with our family and our friends. We see that as we learn this lesson from these four men. Secondly, we also see that they had a conviction that Jesus was this man's only hope. They were, had a conviction of that. And I believe that man's only hope and salvation is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen, saints? Amen. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, Neither is there salvation in any other. Read the rest with me. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must only through Christ. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. So if we really believe that, then and we really care about people, then we should do whatever is necessary to get them to Jesus, even if it means we got to raise the roof to get them to Jesus. Thirdly, we can see these men had faith. They had faith. Jesus looked up, and Jesus saw their faith. How do you see someone's faith? Well, James tells us we know faith because we see your works. So by the fact that these guys were willing to tear up the roof 
was faith in action that they believed that Jesus could heal him and Jesus would heal him. And we also see, as a side note, may I add, we also see that their faith was creative. I mean, who would have thunk it? These guys show up. The house is too crowded. Somebody, one of the four, had to think, well, the house is too crowded. But maybe one of them said, well, we can't get him to Jesus. Let's go home. And maybe one of the others said, well, wait a minute. Maybe we can get up on the roof and lower him down in the roof. Now, that is creative evangelism at its finest. (laughs) Creative evangelism. And that's why we do what we do here in the ministry of Calvary Chapel. We have to give a kid a chance to reach out to the community. Why? Because it's a way to be creative in our faith. It's a way to be creative in evangelism and reaching people for the gospel and for the kingdom of God. Creative. Thinking of ways in which we can be a blessing in the community. We have different types of music and different styles and flavors of music here at Calvary Chapel. Why? Because we are seeking to be creative in the way that we reach people. Just love them and reach them. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.